Hello, 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 and welcome to Think About Eurovision, a Eurovision podcast with me, Chris, a fanatic from the UK. And me, Kim, a Eurovision newbie from Canada. How's it going today? It is going well. Uh, I just finished, actually just this morning, watching our 1957 Eurovision contest that we'll be discussing today. A big leap from 2014. (laughs) I've only seen two and they could not be more different, but it was fun to kind of see where it all started. Yeah, uh, I mean, I've now watched it twice, this one. I watched it uh, last night. Uh, that being the Saturday before we've put this out into the world, um, I made my fiance Sarah watch it with me because she's a Eurovision fan like myself. Yeah. Uh, but she's not a show off and she has no interest in doing podcasts. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was an experience for both of us. Yeah, so this is this is the first time that we will be discussing something that you have watched for the first time as well. So we're both newbies when it comes to the 1957 contest. So that'll be a fun and you know kind of difference too. Yeah, it's uh, it was so different, but I found some interesting <laughs> bits of information and okay, things good. that link it to the modern contest as well. Interesting. Yes. So I can't remember if we actually said it on the last podcast or if you messaged it to me separately. So we'll just fill the listeners in just in case we didn't say it. But there were two things that Chris said that he wanted me to kind of like keep in mind. One is that there was a new rule that was um, put into effect after this contest. So he was like, can you guess what that rule is? And then the second question was there was a scandal and wouldn't would I know what the scandal was when I watched so when we get to those parts I have guesses for both good stuff (laughs) so yeah I mean that that contest it kicks off with the Tadeum, the Eurovision theme that we all know and love now yes um and then it goes quiet and our host clunks down those really noisy steps (laughs) I know, I know. They couldn't have found a noisier stage in a whole of West Germany. It is so crazy to me. The whole thing felt to me like I was attending like a recital. Do you know what I mean? It was like, it didn't have, uh, I know it was 1957, the times were different. But even in 1957, there was like, there was production value. I mean, like, there were movies being made with, you know, real production value behind them. And in this, it, it was very much live as the current one is too. But I don't know, you're right. It did kind of, it felt like I was watching a live you know, piano recital. Yeah, like hosted by a school teacher. <laughs> That's right, exactly. <laughs> like a very stern school teacher. Um, so I don't know if there was a version that had closed captioning or subtitles. I couldn't find one, so I didn't know what was being said by the host at no. all through this whole thing. I could pick up a few bits with my sort of rudimentary knowledge of German. Um, Sarah, she grew up in Germany as a kid. She has more of an understanding of German. Um, than me so I think she probably understood a bit more than me but even then it's a passing sort of right picking out on certain words I'm like I have an idea what they're saying I mean generically generally sorry um should I say they're probably just saying this is the name of the artist these are the composers right uh, this is the name of the person who's leading the orchestra and this is the name of the song in the country and that's the information yes. that you get from there 
This is why we the, have Wikipedia. The host definitely was way more involved, like spoke way more than the hosts in the 2014 version that were really kind of just there during, you know, intermissions and stuff to fill time for commercial breaks and for voting and that sort of thing. But, oh my God, the voting. I know I'm jumping ahead, but um, my boyfriend, John, when I was watching this, he had no idea what I was watching. He like, he knows that I'm doing a Eurovision podcast, but didn't realize I was watching one from 1957. So he could just hear it. And he came upstairs and he was like, are you listening to a German police scanner? Like, what is happening? Because the voting was so bizarre. Hello, Copenhagen. Um, Hello, Copenhagen. Yes. I know. Hello. hello, London. Hello, London. London. Hello. It was hilarious. But um, but overall, I enjoyed myself. Like, it's not something that I would if all Eurovision contests were like this one. I don't think I would have agreed to do this podcast, Chris. But <laughs> but it was fun just for like a little bit of history. Exactly. So I'm not I'm not I'm not mad at the fact it was only an hour, though. <laughs> I think any longer than an hour and 10 minutes, which is the full runtime, I think I would have given up. Yes. It was nice to have the full orchestra, though. I will say that because you informed me and our listeners that in the more modern Eurovision contests, they no longer have uh, live music being played. The singing is live, but the music is not. And that was nice to have a live orchestra yeah. and... Um, you know, I guess, like, the style of the songs are so different. And, of course, the timing made it such that, like, having a live orchestra was kind of necessary. But still, that was nice. Yeah. And also, um, I don't know if you noticed, the onstage instruments as well were live. They were played live as well. Yes. Yeah, okay. I did notice that. Um, so should we just get into, like, the ones we liked best, the ones we didn't? There were only 10 countries in this one, so we could probably go through them all one I by one. I think we should just do that because, like you say, there's only 10. Um, we've not got a pick and choose the most interesting ones to talk about. Um, so let's let's go through them. Okay. So first we had uh, Belgium with uh, Bobby and Schuppen with Stradion. Yeah, someone like that. Um, I'm going to take your word for that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I don't I don't speak um, any language other than English, really. So I struggle with anything <laughs> in a different language. Uh, but it translates into street tune. Okay. Um, one thing I hate about so that song is the whistling. I thought the I, whistling was the only fun part of it. <laughs> I hate people whistling. If we I hear someone in the shop, we have such different tastes, Chris. <laughs> it just reminded me of like the sort of old bloke in a shop whistling tunelessly. Um, I I did not rank this one highly. This was my number ten out of ten wow. ranking. Yeah. How about you? Where did you put this in terms of your favorite? Uh, it was down the lower half um, yeah. for me. I mean, that said, when I watched it again today, it did stick in my head. And I was humming it, it for a couple more songs than I did last night. It had some, like, polka, polka vibes. I can, I can feel that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I it felt to me like, you know, kind of like a... a a polka sort of uh, beat that kind of could be an earworm that sticks in your head. So I can see that. Yeah, but I couldn't imagine Weird Al covering it. Like, no. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, what, one interesting thing about that, there's a rumour. Now, I, I want to know what you think about this rumour. Okay. Rumour is that he didn't know the song he was going to be singing until he showed up on a night. And he only had one rehearsal of the song before the contest. 
Oh, really? Do you believe that, that for is, one moment? No. If that is the case, I would say that, like, this man is an absolute professional because you couldn't tell whatsoever. But, like, under what circumstances would that actually have occurred? I mean, there's no way. Exactly. And, and that whistling, I mean, I hate the whistling, but can't argue that his whistling was in tune and melodious. Yes, that is very true. I actually wondered because the quality of the of the video was so poor that I couldn't actually tell was was he whistling that live or you know was that an instrument? I I believe that was him whistling, but he did sound. Wow. Do you have those bird whistles with like the water that sits in the bottom of it? Yeah, it sounded like one of those. Exactly, it sounded like almost too good to be a natural person whistling. And I mean. I couldn't hear him take a breath during the whistling. I actually did wonder. I was like, if that if that is him whistling, then that is the most impressive part of this whole performance. Yeah. Uh, the other thing it sort of made me think of is, you know, like the at theme parks when you have like the sort of kiddie ride that goes through a dark building and like mm-hmm. there's different scenes uh, like the, you know, in Disneyland, they have one that says, sings the It's a Small World After All song. Yes. It yeah. made me feel like that. Really? That yeah. like you were... Um, you know, it was the type of music that you would hear at a Disney theme park. Yeah. yeah. I could see that. Like, it wasn't going to be in any kind of like, I don't know. A lot of these songs made me think this was something that could be pulled from an Audrey Hepburn movie. It was like romantic <laughs> and whatever. That was not this. <laughs> You're right. This is, it's a small world level yeah. of of melody. Okay, so Belgium, not our favorite for, no. for either one of us. Although it sounds like I scored it a little lower than you did. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just a little bit more of a hook than some of the others. So that's what it saved it a little. Yes. Um, so, right, next we go to Luxembourg with uh, Danielle Dupre, um, Amour Morton de Plain, mm. which means translates into dead love, brackets, so much sadness. Oh, so cheery, wow, I didn't get that number. vibe. <laughs> I mean, granted, it was definitely a departure from the polka vibes I was feeling from Belgium, but I did not get like a so much sadness, everyone's dead vibe from this song. So I don't know. I no, didn't rank it super high, though. No, I mean, it was like a an Edith Piaf sort of knockoff number for me. Sure. Yes, I could see that. Definitely. Um, yeah, I scored this one number seven out of 10. I definitely liked it better than Belgium, but it wasn't... It wasn't tops for me. Although I will say that I notice that I tend to score the songs that I hear closer to the end higher. So I think I'm one of those people who... Oh, you've who, got recency bias. Yes, I think I do. Although although that's not the case in... I mean, I ranked Switzerland very low and that was the very last one of the contest. So it's mm. not 100%, but I, that is something that I am aware of that I'm trying to like make sure isn't influencing my ratings too much. Yeah, um, I mean, this song, for me, it's 9 out of 10. Nine oh, out, 9 out of 10? Oh, sorry. No, out, of the, <laughs> like, the out of the rankings. Yeah, fair. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, you loved it, Chris. <laughs> no, no. no. It's, it's forgettable. Yeah. Um, I would agree. Yeah, I, I really don't have much in way of commentary to pass on it because... Eh. Meh. Agreed. Yeah. Okay, Luxembourg, not our jam. No. Uh, next to my country, the UK, with uh, Patricia Bredin with her song All. which I didn't like it. I'm so sorry. I did not like this. No, this no. was not a good song. No, this was not. This was ranked 9 out of 10 for me. That's fair. I mean, 
Do you know that was actually the shortest song in Eurovision history all the way up until 2015? It was so short. I definitely noticed that. And, One minute, I mean, 52 seconds. Wow, that is bananas short. I did actually like on that uh, note, um, the length of song is the um, rule that I'm guessing was implemented after this um, yes. after this contest. Did I get it right? You did. Yes, although it wasn't UK that made me think that. It was Italy. Yes. With the longest song ever. Yes, indeed. We'll cover that next. Um, wh- one thing I want to say about uh, our song, the UK song, it sounded like she was summoning um, forest animals to help her make a dress. Yes, it was like she was a fairy tale princess who was uh with her operatic notes summoning <laughs> small birds. Yes, yeah. you're right. She <laughs> she gave those vibes and that for me is like not the song that's going to make me like whistle while I work. Uh <laughs> haha. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that one was definitely not my favorite. Um I I ranked it pretty low as I said. Yeah. Um, right, so next we had Italy. Uh, so we had Nunzio Gallo with Cordel Mia Citaro, the strings of my guitar. And the things I could think of doing those strings of his guitar. Oh, really? You hated it? Oh, can't stand it. I mean, <laughs> I don't know whether it was the guitar was out of tune or he was choosing to play discordant notes. Chris, the sounded... guitar was my favorite part of this song. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> it's it's like always fun and hilarious how completely different our our <laughs> takes are. But then every once in a while they really align. But so like Italy, I actually liked quite a bit, but it lost points for me because it went on forever. But even more so than the singing performance, it was the guitar that made me really like this song. Fair enough. Um, um, so I ranked this one number six, six out of ten. Six. Yeah. Do you know what? Um, Even though I don't love the guitar, it just sounded out of tune. That's about where this one sits for me. And that is actually where it was um, officially ranked as well in terms of the actual results is that it came in sixth. Check you out. Oh, I know. There were three (laughs) out of ten that I ranked uh, identically to the actual results. But then in true, like you know, fashion, which I found in the 2014 version as well, is that I was very aligned with some and then completely different (laughs) in others. There was one that I ranked very high that scored very badly. (laughs) Uh, I'm interested to see which one that is. Um, So yeah, the Italian song, you're quite right. That is why we have the three minutes rule. So originally it was short, it was um, made a three and a half minute rule. And they eventually sort of reviewed that and went down to the three minutes, which is now still the case. Because that yeah. song was five minutes and nine seconds long. It was so long. I was like, I couldn't believe it was still going on. <laughs> and the absolute um, shenanigans putting that after a really short one as well. I know. I was going to say it. It just made it that much more obvious how long this this song was by the fact that it came after the UK, which was like, <laughs> just like she practically like walked on, turned around, and walked right off the stage. <laughs> yeah, she just invo- like uh, installed a, a revolving door for her. Yeah, exactly. And thank you very much. Good night. Um, Yes. So what do we have after Italy? After Italy, we've got Austria. So Austria sent Bob Martin with Wohin Kleines Pony, which is my absolute favorite song. 
th- this was my number two. I ranked, this was the one I ranked so high and it came in last. What were people thinking? I don't know. This was such a fun little bop. Well, I mean, I... Pony, da, 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 da. Yes. Love this it. was, um, you know, I think the funnest song of the night. Uh, it was not my highest ranked, um, but very close to it. I actually went back and forth between this one and my highest, which um, I'll reveal when we get there. But um, I was very surprised it ranked so low. And this actually made me think of in 2014, the Eurovision contest for 2014, I I ranked Malta very high and it came in very, very low. And although it was obviously a very different song, they're like <laughs> well, <just a laughs> miles bit apart. Different. <laughs> yes, but it was still sort of like Malta I found was like sort of like a, a folksy kind of departure from the more serious tones of all the rest of the songs. And, and I felt that to be was. the case in this one. Yeah. And then nobody appreciates the folksy, fun departures from the very ultra sort of like, I don't know, more, uh, not serious, but like, I guess, um, what's, what's a word that would describe the rest of the Eurovision performances? More, um... Old-fashioned. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you got to bear in mind, in 1957, the UK charts had Little Richard, Elvis Presley, the Elverly Brothers. They, they, they were in our charts at, in 1957. And right. we were sending songs from Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals. Right. This was like not a good representation of what was popular music of the time, I don't think. Which, to be fair, I really kind of think is also the case... With the one other example of Eurovision that I have seen, like, it isn't necessarily the music you're going to hear on the charts. No. Um, it's... But I think it is still more in line with what younger people would listen to, whereas this was the music that mother and... Your mother is in the kitchen washing up, because it was on yes. a Sunday, uh, this one was held on Sunday. So she's in the kitchen washing up father, because they're not mum and dad, they're mother and father. Yes. So father is in the living room reading a newspaper with a um, moustache. He's got a pipe. He's yeah, warming his feet up in front of the fire. Here. Yes, I can see it. It definitely felt like very traditional and conservative for the yes. most part. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we are in agreement on this one. Austria yeah. was very high. Um, and it was a wake up call after Italy. Yes. I mean, I liked Italy more than you did. I thought that it was quite romantic with its like, you know, guitar and stuff like that. But like Austria, I genuinely liked this song. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't understand anything that he was saying, so I don't know what it's about. But just what? the beat, you know, that it was just a fun jam. So do you have no German knowledge at all? No, I didn't understand li- literally any of these songs. What? <laughs> What Even the think? ones sung in English, it didn't, the <laughs> lyrics don't register for me. I told you that before, That's right? True. It's like, I have to listen to it many, many times before the lyrics. So let's see how well you can guess German. So what do you think okay. he's singing when he sings, Wohin Kleines Pony? Wohin Kleines Pony. I have a beautiful pony. No. <laughs> he's singing, where to, little pony? I mean, I got the pony part, right? Yeah, so, so it's, it's congratulations sort of to me. Going for a walk with his little pony. Wow. And okay, well, you know what? I, I'm not mad at that. That seems to fit with the it's so jam. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So okay. Next song we have the Netherlands with Corey Brocken with Net Alstun. 
Netherlands are my top song. And they won. I was in line. Yes. That surprised me. I assume, I mean, I feel like I can guess which one you thought would be my favorite based on my love for a man and a woman mooning at each other. (laughs) That's exactly what I thought it would be. Like, don't worry, I scored that really high too. Of course you did. (laughs) But yeah, um, Netherlands was my top song and that's two for two for the Netherlands. They were my top song in the 2014 Eurovision and my top song here. So I was aligned with the official voting on this one. Yeah, so I mean, this song um, Netel's turn translates into uh, "just like then." Um, so it's a song about looking back on the uh, heydays of relationship and suggests that love has disappeared in their relationship. Huh. Did you did you get that vibe from the um, song? I did not. All <laughs> I did was sway to the music while I admired her gorgeous dress, and uh, I just like really felt. I really felt like a an an emotional impact from this one. I, I don't mean, know, she it was, was nice. She was serving like Julie Andrews Hollywood glamour. Gorge, gorgeous. Um, and I mean, she wasn't the only one. I love a nineteen fifties vibe for fashions, um, for women in particular. So I mean, she wasn't the only one who was serving us a look, but it was my favorite by far. Favorite look, favorite performance, favorite song. Nice and interesting fact: uh, her violinist. Um, so um, he is called uh, Sam Nivian. Now, he was a member of a Dutch uh, sort of jazz big band during oh. the war, or, or be, before the Second World War. Now, because he was Jewish, he had to go into hiding during the German um, in, um, occupation oh, of wow. the Netherlands. Yet his uh, band leader actually kept him on the books and paid him, and just kept his chair empty when they performed during the German occupation. Wow, so that's such a crazy survived. story. Yeah, he survived uh, World War Two in hiding. Wow, that's incredible. And then, I mean, continued to be and name at least a member of the band throughout. Yeah. Very cool. And then Cory herself, um, later in life, she became a lawyer and then a judge. Wow. And this is a woman of many talents. And she also hosted the 1976 Eurovision contest. Really? Yes. Oh, that's a question. Um, do you know who this host was? Like, how did she come to be the host? Was she involved in the prior year's Eurovision? Um, so she was a German actress who was born in Armenia. Um, oh. That's as much... Sorry, sorry, no, sorry. Her family's Armenian, so he's not born in Armenia. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I, I've got my second screen, and I was like, let me just quickly check, and I misread. <laughs> so, yes, um, she was a German actress, but her family were Armenian. Um don't see any links to Eurovision prior to hosting. But, but maybe she's her... an actress who would have been probably uh, a known face, uh, at least in the German broadcast. Yes, and I would imagine her sort of, not even just bilingual, she spoke a few languages. Yes, she did, that. which was so, very impressive. Yeah. Oh, I hate people who've got talent like that. I know, like, languages are hard, man. I, I struggle mean... with English. I I um I spoke I speak the barest amount of French, but like I refuse to try. <laughs> if I if I go to Quebec, someone will speak to me in French and I'll respond in English. I understand it, but I cannot speak it. It's hard. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> to know many languages, that is a talent. Do you sort of like when sorry, go a bit deep, but when you do go to like French speaking parts of uh, Canada, is it like a sort of venomous sort of situation between people who speak French? And when they come into people who don't speak French, who are Canadian. 
Well, definitely in Quebec in particular, in my experience, they, um, they don't, you know, they don't default to English. They no. will speak to you in French, even if it is clear that you are visiting the province, that you're not a Quebec, Quebec, Quebecer. Um, Quebecian? So, Quebecian? No, I think it's Quebecer. Isn't that uh -huh. terrible that I don't know that? <laughs> Um, yeah, so there is definitely like language is very important and the, you know, the right to be able to speak French uh, at their place of employment, whether they're a server or whatever, it's very important. They default to French always. And there is, in my experience, a bit of a reluctance if you tell them that you don't understand French, um, that there's sometimes like a bit of a like a haughtiness uh. a bit. But I mean... Uh, I have found that like if they speak to me in French and I respond in English, like there's no there's no issue is like it's it, it's their requirement to speak English when they don't want uh. to. That 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 is sometimes <laughs> a little bit of like uh, an annoyance, I think. But I mean, fair enough. Like <laughs> I've only got like one sentence in, in French. Désolé, je ne parle français. That's it. <laughs> That'll do it. That'll do it. <laughs> um, right. So um, that's an Netherlands. So. We should cover the fact that obviously they won. And you said you scored them. Um, they were your winner as well. Yes, they were my winner before having seen any of the results or voting. Same as last time I did my own rankings. And so I did vote them to be my my winner as well. Yeah. Um, how did they rank for you? Um, second. So I liked it. Okay. Yeah. Just, just not working Klein a pony. <laughs> So our one and two were the same, just reversed. I yes. was number one Netherlands, number two Austria, and you were the uh, just the opposite. But we were pretty aligned. Yeah. Um, right, so the next song, we have Germany taking a stage with uh, Mogo Hilscher with Telefon Telefon. Any guess I mean, what Telefon Telefon translates to? I mean, I'm going to hmm. think uh, <laughs> Telephone Telephone. <laughs> I yeah. am bilingual after all. <laughs> In Latin, because that's not even German for telephone. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the uh, German for telephone is Fernsprecher. Well, that is less It wouldn't have telephone. had the, uh, yeah, it, <laughs> it wouldn't it have, wouldn't had, the have had the same impact, would it? For not for non-German speakers. No. Um, but uh, like good for Germany for introducing the props. Yes. The props we know and love now in modern Eurovision here you, you, seen you, in Germany in the form of a single telephone. You start with a Bakelite telephone, you yeah. end with a man in a giant hamster wheel. That's just evolution for you. <laughs> That's progress. <laughs> yeah, this one I scored pretty middle of the pack. I put it at number four. Um, I liked it. I also liked this performance. I liked this look. She was also giving us a gorgeous 1950s look. Um but I just didn't care for the song quite as much as some of the others. See, I quite liked it. So it was um, top five for me. Um, oh, yeah, me too. No, I put number four. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, it was um, third. Okay, yeah. So Pre we're sort of quite close with our tops, aren't we? We are, yeah. Um, I'm pretty impressed. I feel like I wasn't expecting us to be quite so aligned. Although with this 1957s one, I do think that like rather than it be sort of a difference in uh you know modern tastes between genres here i think that it's just like as a modern person <laughs> yeah what, what ones are like you know way Close out what there we would listen to exactly yeah so that makes sense i guess but that said rohin kleiner's pony my favorite sounds nothing like music that you would listen to today that's true that is true but i think it was just the charm of it 
It was so charming. Honestly, that song was robbed. Robbed. I agree. I mean, well, no, I mean, I don't, I guess, because I did mar- I did put Netherlands uh, top top uh, um, ranked, but it shouldn't have been number 10. That was no. that scandal. Silly. Scandal. <laughs> um, right. Next song out was France with Paula Desjardins. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Um, Desjardins, yeah. Desjardins, yeah. That sounds better. Desjardins. Mm-hmm. With yeah. La Belle Amour, The Beautiful Love. Yeah, I thought this was uh, I thought this was good. This was number five for me out of ten, so middle of the pack. It wasn't my favorite, but no. it, I didn't actively dislike it the way I did in some of the others. For me, it was just really French and not that interesting by modern standards, so it just didn't vibe with me at all. Hmm, fair enough. Um, yeah, I I really didn't care for this one. Yeah, so you barked you you put it like one of your bottom. Yeah, I'm afraid so. Fair. I mean, fair part. enough. Have you any strong feelings towards that song? No, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It was very middle of the road for me, which uh, which makes sense because I marked it at uh, number five out of ten. Um, yeah, I I don't even really remember the tune, to be <laughs> honest, now that I'm not listening to it. So our next song, Denmark. Uh, okay, speaking of scandal, this Ooh. is the uh, this is the scandal, right? It really the on-screen is. kiss. I mean, let's let's bear in mind, 1957 was um, the second year of Eurovision. Most people were enjoying the contest as a radio medium. So right. they were they went looking at this. So let's, for the benefit of our listeners, shall we recreate that 13 seconds? Okay. Let's see how awkward this sounds for people listening on a radio. So. Oh God, are we going to be silent for 13 seconds? We're going to be silent seconds? for 13 seconds. Chris, this is going to be awkward. You guys, don't hang up. Don't like, don't stop listening. Okay, okay. <laughs> we'll be back. Here we go. Kiss begins now. And there we go. That was terrible. <laughs> Imagine listening to that on your radio at home. I'm like, oh my what's God. happened? So was the scandal the length of this silence? It wasn't the kiss itself because I was of the assumption when you were saying you'll probably know the scandal when you see it. I was like, well, that was the only thing remotely scandalous that occurred. But it's not like on-screen kissing was completely um, unheard of in the 1950s. Like we had movies that showed kissing scenes. So it was the, it was the stretched I, out silence. I, I don't know if it was a stretched out silence, but it definitely was the kiss. But okay. I just, I just, I just can't help but feel sorry for the poor souls listening at home, not understanding the context of what on earth's happening. They're just dealing with like 13 seconds of nothing. Pure silence. And then did you notice at the end when their conductor, like, so everybody else um, in the contest, they would finish their song, they would take their bow, they would, you know, walk over to the conductor who also took their bow, and then the two of them walked off stage up the stairs together. Oh, yeah. And then they were told to go the other way. (laughs) What's that? And then they were told to go the other way. Yes, exactly. But in this case, yeah, like the performers, they did not, they like met with the conductor and then there was some kind of like confusion and then they walked off stage while the conductor walked up the stairs alone. Yeah. Do you think that was related in any way? No idea. It was, um, it was a really, I really enjoyed the song and then it just got awkward right at the end. 
It did get awkward. I ranked that number three for me. So I, the two people mooning at each other <laughs> continues to be something that I love and you do not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I do quite like that song. Um, do you? It, it's a nice song, but yeah, it, I just love how it all descends into awkwardness. And I I get, I imagine, um, you know, your secondhand embarrassment was pinging off. Yes. <laughs> like, I definitely have that cringiness that makes it hard to watch and this was like oh god it's going on forever <laughs> um so so that song was called um skibatskal sayalinat which translates into um the ship is leaving tonight so he is a seaman mm-hmm. and she's he, he's basically saying goodbye to her that's what the song's about and then he proposes and then a kiss goodbye that makes sense yes a, a never-ending smooch <laughs> it was so long, <laughs> but that happened. Be- that happened because um, a stagehand forgot to give them the signal to stop snogging. What? Yeah. Oh my god, hilarious! And then, like, I did find that I don't know if maybe I was reading into it, but they did like the woman, especially I found looked a little bit sheepish after they finished kissing. So, like, maybe they she recognized was probably just it, gasping like, for hair. Yeah. yeah, like this. <laughs> this is going on for a while. So that was our penultimate song. We then go to Switzerland and Lise Assia, who was the first ever winner of Eurovision. She won in 1956 with Refrain. Oh, really? And she, she didn't do well here. No. Not the worst fall from Grace, because in 1958, uh, 1957's winner, Corey Brocken, um, represents again. And she comes dead last with only one oh, point. Wow. Wow. That goes to show you, right? Is that like it uh it doesn't guarantee top spot just because you have uh, you know, a sort of a um a performer that has scored well in the past. You you need to have a great song that continues to stack up. Yeah. Um I mean Lise Asia, I mean, this song for me was a real bummer of a song to end the show on. Mm. It should have been put in... I I think this was when they still sort of... I, I don't know how we uh, chose the line-up, the, the running order for the songs, Um, if it was like a random draw or if it was sort of chosen. Yeah. If I was producing this show, I would have put this bang in the middle because it's so forgettable. Yes, I agree. Um, and you need I to finish could... on something with a bit of a bang. I put this uh, number eight out of ten. Uh, it the actual scoring was nine out of ten, so she did not do well. And it sounds like you scored her equally as poorly as I did. Worse. It was my least favorite of the night. Was it? But I feel really bad because um, she was a Eurovision legend. Sadly, she passed away a couple of years ago. But I mean, Eurovision is what made her, and mm-hmm. she has tried to represent Switzerland a couple of times since then. So in 2012, when she would have been aged 84 or 83, she tried out for Switzerland. And then again, in the following year, she tried out for the 2013 contest with a song with a hip-hop band. Oh, God. Honestly, it's really good. That sounds really bad. It's good? It's good. It sounds it sounds like I'm not gonna lie, I'm so sorry, but it sounds like someone who is like desperately trying to reclaim the glory days, recapture the lightning in a bottle. To be 85 with a hip hop band, it feels like kind of a last grasp. 
No, I think... But it's not? <laughs> I think it's really good. And I think it's also less a, not so much a last grasp of the glory. I think it's, she was so passionate about Eurovision. It was something that she loved. Mm-hmm. And she just wanted to be involved again. That's a much more generous way to look at it, which I think is probably closer to the truth. I mean, <laughs> this is as someone who knows nothing about this woman or her time in Eurovision or the history uh, of her involvement in Eurovision. I am just basing it purely on the fact that, like, imagine, like, Betty White with a hip hop band. Actually, that sounds amazing. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm one over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I've already put that in the list of songs we'll be covering covering on the DNQ files. Oh, perfect! It's got to be done. I'm excited for that one. I am excited for but that one. I think that'll be a, a one where we discuss both songs. I think it would be unfair to discuss one and not the other. Sure. Um. So yeah, that's all the songs finished. Um. It was so, quick, wasn't it? It was quick. Ten. 10 done and then we had what i found to be a torturous torturous several minutes (laughs) of the voting and then i mean because the quality of the video was so poor i couldn't even tell you know i couldn't tell how things were ranking um so it was really just all a surprise at the end (laughs) yeah i mean it was awkward because some would say the name of the song some would say the number of a song some would say the country um, they were delivering, there was no sort of, let's all say it in French or let's all say the scores in English. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the um, spokespeople says, do you speak English? You know, obviously better for him. Yeah. It was painful. Um, it was. And the, also, I mean, I again, I don't speak enough German to know if how the points were awarded was explained. But I reached out to the good people at Eurovision. <gasps> I sent them Chris. an email. Your contacts at Eurovision, you're connected. I know, what a flex. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I emailed um, the good people at Eurovision and said, I can see that each country had a total of 10 points to hand out, but how was this this divvied out? What was the um, criteria for awarding points? And they emailed me back and they told me that each country had 10 jurors who all chose their one favourite song. Oh, so it's a nice, simple way of um, breaking down a point. They just had each one chose one favorite song. Yes, every every jury member had a single point to award. Yeah. So yeah. our points that we've awarded tonight to our favorite song wouldn't change much. No, it would not. Um, I think that uh, if I remember correctly, Netherlands won by a landslide did it not yeah 31 points and the next highest was france with 17 so almost wow. doubled um yeah. so you would so netherlands will be up to 32 points and with my vote austria would still be in last place with four four and that's with an extra vote from you you know what i don't know what these people were thinking <laughs> So, um, interestingly, so there were three um, songs that I ranked identically to the official results, and that was Netherlands at number one, Denmark at number three, and Italy at number six. And then other than those three that were perfectly in line, everything else was an absolute crapshoot <laughs> where I was not in any way aligned with what the official votes were. <laughs> well, then. There we go. That, that's all a, a 19... matter of preference, right? Yeah. It's all subjective. Everything's subjective. Uh, and that is a 1957 Eurovision Song Contest done with. 
Done. In the books. So quick, and just like the actual show, this recording has been a quicker one, because we've got so fewer songs to go through. That's so true. I mean, the last one had 26 countries, and it was three hours and 40 minutes long. So this one, though it was only an hour long, it it did actually feel longer. Yeah. <laughs> longer to watch. It was less entertaining. I don't know that I'll watch this one again, but it was still a fun experience. No, I think I'll go back to a couple of the songs again, but not yeah. the whole show. Yeah. And weirdly, I would, I mean, I've not found a, obviously there's no video that exists, but the year before, 1956, there was only seven countries. But wow. there were 14 songs. Oh, each country submitted two. Yes. Interesting. And they didn't and even announce the uh, votes. They just said Switzerland won. That's all that's known about the scoring for the first ever Eurovision. Wow. Okay, well, it's come a long way, for yes. sure. In and a year, all of a the... lot changed. That's true. And all of the countries that participated in 1956, did they all come back in 1957, do you know? Um, I believe they did, with the addition of... Um... Yeah, so the following year, we had the Sweden uh, debuted. But the UK huffed off in a sulk and didn't join in. Huh. Well, that's that's interesting. <laughs> I mean, the UK storming out of the room. Hmm. Because <laughs> they didn't get their own way. Interesting. Yeah. Well, Eurovision has come a long way in its history, but uh, here it is, the first actual, like, recorded contest. Done. In the box. Couldn't be more different than what we're watching now. And so what are we going to be discussing uh, on our next episode, Chris? Uh, The next time we will be discussing uh, the 1988 Eurovision Song Contest. Celine! Yes. Um, I'm excited for that one. The Queen of Canada. Yes. I mean, which... Uh, on I mean, a side I know note. that the Queen is technically the Queen of Canada, but <laughs> she's the <true>. real Queen. <laughs> she is. She is. We have the same Queen. Um, <laughs> although uh, she is the Queen in our hearts, uh, the Queen of Pop, I guess. Uh, even though when you asked me who that was, I said Justin Bieber. <laughs> Still not forgiving you for that. I know, but you know why? I think that it's because I I actually asked people this, that I was like, would you describe Celine Dion as a pop star? And they wouldn't. It was I think it's just the way it's the way in which we use the term pop star that just kind of like didn't connect for me. Uh, that's you know, yeah. I mean, like, would you call Barbara Streisand a pop star? No, she's like a sort of legend of stage and screen. Exactly, and that is Celine to me. Uh, see. <laughs> Not screen, unless you count Titanic and her epic like uh, <laughs> video <laughs> music video performances. I mean, my favorite Celine music video for a film is one she did for Deadpool Two. I do not know this. <sighs> the link will be in the show <laughs> the notes. Rolling. The eye rolling. You're so consistently disappointed with me. <laughs> I mean, I said that she's a Canadian legend, but like, I didn't. I didn't say that I like you know, listen to every one of her songs. Uh, no, I mean, some are a lot better than others. Yeah. 
But okay, so on a side note, so I'm looking forward to that for our next conversation where Celine participates in that uh, in that year's Eurovision contest. And then also, if anyone is interested in sticking with us after the tone, I assume, Chris, that you are caught up on Canada's Drag Race, where Celine makes a real uh, a real appearance in by way of uh, uh, Night of a Thousand Celines being the the runway category. Indeed, and there is a Eurovision reference in Canada's Drag Race. There is? Yeah. Okay, you guys stick around after this because we're going to have to, Chris is going to have to fill me in on the things I missed. Indeed, so stick with us. We'll be talking about Drag Race Canada, or sorry, Canada's Drag Race. Hope you've enjoyed us discussing the 1957 uh, Eurovision Song Contest. Again, next time we'll be discussing the 1988 Eurovision Song Contest. Bye! Bye. La 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 So then, let's talk drag race. Firstly, okay. Quick one because we didn't get to discuss this last time because you hadn't seen the final of All Stars. Yeah. Shay Coulee. It happened pretty much exactly the way that I thought it would. And good for her. Well-deserved. Yeah. I I think that, uh, you know, she is an absolute all-star. I cannot be mad at that decision at all. All three were deserving. So I was never going to be sad about whoever won. Yeah, I, I had my favourite, which would have been Juju B, but that Juju takes was... nothing away from Shay. Every no. single one of them. I wouldn't have been sad about a triple crowning. No, fair enough. I mean, I do hate when there are ties. <laughs> yeah. But um, but that being said, I completely agree with you. Juju was also my favorite. Um, but I knew from the edit, I knew that the, it that it was going to be Shay's win. Um, because you're right. I feel like Shay performed very very well, but so did Juju and uh, Cracker. So it was really the edit that really pointed me to the direction. It was the story they were telling, and I could feel it. Um, but either way, I'm not. I'm not sad about it. Good for yeah. her. If I could take, if I could travel in time and change the past, I would have made the last season uh, just. Um, I, I don't think Trinity the Tuck deserved the, the, the uh, co-win last You're time. You're kidding? No, I thought Trinity deserved a solo win, and no. Monet Exchange was, in my opinion, not quite as good as Trinity. That I mean, that just proves that everything is subjective. It it is it is very subjective. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I think Monet Exchange did an absolutely fantastic job, but for me, it I did think that Trinity edged her out a little bit, and I was surprised that it was a tie. I hate when they do ties, but <laughs> I mean, sometimes they're just so good. I guess you can't you can't pick just one. No, if I, if it had to be just a, a two way tie for All Stars, it would have been Juju and Shay. I agree. But I would have been happy with a three-way tie, but that would have been messy. And people would have complained. Been, there would have been a lot of complaints. RuPaul sure. would have spent a lot of World of Wonders budget on <laughs> on crowns and yep. the big sticky things. I don't I know we've got a name. Scepter. Scepter, that's the one, yeah. <laughs> big stick. Yeah. <laughs> like Gandalf. <laughs> um and you know, obviously a lot of prize money would have been spent, so I can understand why they didn't do it. Yeah. Well, yeah, there agreed. we go. There we go. Um, so that's all stars finished with, but Canada's Drag Race. 
Yes. So there are two episodes since we last discussed. We had the Snatch Game episode that aired a couple of weeks ago. And then the most recent one was the uh, commercial, the late night commercial. Yes. So let's start with um, the Snatch Game. Any particular highlights? Jimbo. Come on, Jimbo. You did so good. This is Jimbo in her element. And I know that I had like a few critiques for Jimbo last week only because she's my favorite and I just want her to do really well. Um, And so like no critiques this week. She nailed it. She nailed the challenge. She was by far the best at Snatch Game and she nailed that runway. She is not always my favorite on the runway um, you know, I think she does really interesting looks, but they're not always my absolute favorite. It's her personality that wins me over more so than her looks. But yeah. this look was fucking great. Oh, sorry. And That's I okay. know <laughs> I love <laughs> I love I'm always the one who swears. Um, and I love that she did a boy chest instead of the the, the big massive breastplate. Boobs. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And you'd be your happy thoughts? about that. Mm-hmm. She nailed it for me. Uh I mean uh, her, her Joan Rivers was, it was like she was in the room. Yes, um, so good. Yeah, I mean she was great, and and then again her Celine uh, look, she took a Celine outfit and turned the dial up to eleven. She made it I drag. Agree. It was really interesting because, um, so God, I'm so bad with names, but um, oh, the Montreal Queen. Oh, Rita Bagger. Yes, thank you. Yes. Um, so, sh- so she had two Celine outfits. And honestly, if you put those side by side with the real Celine outfit, they were like exact replicas. I but don't judges- understand why we didn't get it. Right. The judges didn't like those, even though it was like legit an exact replica. And I guess it's because they, although it's Night of a Thousand Celines, they don't want a duplicate. They want you to make it drag, like elevate it in the way that Jimbo did, where she took this jumpsuit that was gorgeous anyway, but sequined it and made it really kind of like elevated drag. Yeah. But that, that said, I think some of the others, were they were quite happy. It when it was like almost the same, and that's true. I mean, Rita's look. I mean, it was a Eurovision look, that white one. Yeah, and it was on the nail. It was the same outfit with a reveal. Yes. So I think having that reveal makes it like elevates it elevates that that look and makes it a drag look. Yeah, I actually was quite surprised that they didn't like Rita Begas as much. And I also was surprised that they gave her some grief about the walk and sort of like runway performance that she did, because that felt very campy Celine to me. Like yeah. she is known for her like, I'm I'm actually surprised, like I know that Brooklyn did it, but I'm surprised that more of the queens or any of the queens didn't do it on the runway when they did like the double pound of the chest and then, yes. you know what I mean? Like that is like textbook Celine. So I know that it, this was like an exaggerated duck walk that isn't necessarily like bang on, but I thought that like the silly campy kind of over the top performance type of you know, type of movements is not is not unceline like at all. I d- I do think uh, Priyanka did the uh, sort of chest pound thing. Did she? She I also she did, did some like, really good Celine she, moves. Oh, yeah, she, it was like watching Celine. Yeah, that so, the way she sort of stomped across the runway <laughs> in the way that Celine does because she 
put politely, she doesn't walk gracefully, does she? She walks with purpose. No. She's like, I'm going here. That's where I'm going. <laughs> That's don't, right. don't try and stop me. I'm not here to look pretty for you. I've got to be somewhere. Yes. Um, so speaking of Priyanka, she had a rough snatch game. I was expecting her to not do top of pack, but to do better than she did. Yeah, I mean, you've got the easiest gags you can make when you're doing a psychic. Um, yeah. For the record, I do not believe in psychics. Same. Uh, good, good. I'm glad we're on the same page there so we can <laughs> be yeah, mean about psychics. Yeah, you're not going to offend me There's if no you talk such about... thing as a psychic or yeah. horoscopes, anything like that. It's all nonsense. <laughs> um, if you are listening and you believe in it and I've offended you... Um, Sorry. I don't care. <laughs> You're wrong for believing in it. But I mean, okay, so we recently saw a psychic snatch game when, um, God, the... Um, Alexis Mateo, Walter Mercado. Yes, thank you. Alexis Mateo did um, the, the psychic snatch game in All Stars very recently, and she really did a great job with that. She capitalized on all of those kind of like go to jokes where you're like, I knew oh, you were going to say that. Going to say that exactly, and like Priyanka just didn't go anywhere. She didn't even take the easy wins. No, um, it was um, a, a disaster. It actually looked like she kind of gave up halfway through. I think she knew that it was not going well and she kind of gave up. Um, the other ones who performed well were the ones who I would have expected to have performed well. Um, the ones who performed poorly were the ones I expected to perform poorly. The only other kind of, um, you know, surprise for me was Boa. I, I would have thought Boa would have done better. She's, if you're going to do uh, Gypsy Rose, you need to go all in. Yes. Don't be politically correct about it. Right. If you were nervous about being politically correct, then you should have taken a different character where you could go over the top. But I mean, I do think that Boa has really been on a downward trajectory, um, which clearly, I mean, spoilers, obviously, um, you know, it resulted in her uh, ultimately being... um, Eliminated. eliminated yeah i can't remember it was it wasn't this week that she was eliminated no, it was the it week, after, week after right yeah. but, but yeah um, you could see it coming yeah uh, kiara went after her disastrous uh, mariah carey i mean yes. she didn't even say i don't know her once if you're gonna do no. mariah carey do at least one i don't know her joke she didn't she didn't do mariah carey honestly no. i mean think she dressed up as much as she could like her which honestly was even still a little bit you know uh, off the mark for me. And she then wore she a sexy just... Sansa, Sansa costume. Right. I mean, I don't know. It just like, I mean, I really feel like she could have done up the hair and the makeup much more to be more Mariah. But uh, I was not at all surprised that she went that she uh, went home after this. No, one. no. The one I was, because um, I'm not familiar with uh, Jojo Siwa at all because I'm not oh. a 13 year old girl. Right. <laughs> um, I know who she is, but I have not seen any of her videos. Well, let me tell you this. Um, Sarah showed me a video of Jojo the other day. It's the exact same as Lemon. Lemon did amazing. Yeah. And I wasn't surprised by that. I think that Lemon has shown herself to be like uh, a well-rounded queen that has some acting and comedic chops. She can also turn a great look, although the judges did not like her denim look at all. And um, I think that... 
you know, I know that it's an awkward position to be put in with the queens are asked, like, who do you expect to go home? But like the fact that everyone said lemon, that was an easy out because the judges didn't like her outfit, but she is definitely not the bottom of the pack yeah. for me. I so, like her a lot. So we're now on to sort of episode two discussing about lemon. And oh yeah, I went all over. So that's, that's fine. That's a nice segue. <laughs> um, so the latest episode um, with the late night advert for, uh, sort of lawyers yeah lawyers. fictional law firms um we don't really have anything like that in the uk uh, um we, oh, don't, we don't no I, it's I don't definitely think a, more an american thing yeah. than a canadian thing i yeah. i saw that and i think um you see that sort of thing on american tv shows and films yeah. or like a lawyer advertising their wares on tv you know like a sort of public access channel Yes, we get a lot of um, a lot of our channels come from the states, even like the local ones. So I remember growing up, this was an American commercial, but it was a hundred percent like a like an ambulance chaser lawyer that would come on and be like, "I'm Jim the Hammer Shapiro. <laughs> if you want your money, come to me." Like it was absolutely this. <laughs> oh dear, no. Thankfully, yeah. I don't. We don't have a culture of that over here. No, in Canada, I mean, like, this was interesting because they do do such, you know, Canadian-influenced challenges and themes and uh, guest hosts. It's all very Canadian. But this is actually not much of a Canadian phenomenon. We don't no. have a ton of that. I, I learned that um, Rue's little sort of video at the beginning um, referenced something known as the Apology Act, which is... um What's that? That... That is apparently, now this is just from um, the Canada's Drag Race Reddit. Uh, somebody does like a cultural references um, thread each week. Yeah. For, someone did it on the UK's Drag Race Drag Race UK and they're now doing it for Canada's Drag Race. Uh, sort of cultural references for people around the globe to kind of go, oh, I see. Because like on the American one, American culture is so saturated around the world. Yeah. Most people get most of the references now with... Um, Drag Race UK and Canada's Drag Race, this hyper-local thing. So apparently the Apology Act was is a sort of, not so much a law, but a legislation that says, because Canada, Canadians are so no, known for apologising, um, say, for example, you were driving and someone hit your car, you had said so and you said sorry, yes. it doesn't count as an admission of guilt, okay. saying sorry at the scene of an accident. <laughs> So oh my god, that's too act. funny. I did not even know that. I'm a bad Canadian. Is, but that, 100% is that a very Canadian that, thing then? Yes, that stereotype of Canadians apologizing all the time is 100% accurate. There are definitely stereotypes out there that I feel are like less accurate, but this one is true. I definitely bump into a chair and say sorry just out of, you know, pure, like, habit. <laughs> I, I think that's just something that Brits do as well. Is it? Yeah, I, I, I'll say sorry if I bump into, like... An inanimate object. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, there are worse things. If we're going to be stereotyped, being overly apologetic is not the worst thing. Um, But onto the sort of judge's critique, I mean, do you agree with the win? So, no. No, nor do I. I mean, ultimately, I didn't agree with quite a bit of the judging in in both of these episodes. Um, and I was actually quite surprised with who went home. If if you had, if I had been betting money, I would have bet that Alona would have been the one yeah. to go home over Boa. So I don't know. I mean, like, I like these judges more than I think a lot of people do. I've heard a lot of critiques about, about the judges online. And I 
generally um, have liked their judging, but I didn't agree with them much in these in no. both of these episodes. I, I mean, I think from the, judging on the lip sync, Boa was right to go home. Yeah, that is true. Her lip sync was actually quite. Um, I don't know. Like, did she give up? It was like she wasn't even. She trying. was in pain. Uh, she yeah. posted on Instagram that she had has bunions on her feet. Oh. And when she's doing like, it's a high, you know, energy number, she can dance through it and dance through the pain. But yeah. because it was a slower song, she was in pain and just struggling. Really? So yeah, that's what she what she claims is the reason why she gave such low energy lip sync for her life. Yeah, it was very low energy. And then, um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I found the whole thing to be pretty to be pretty questionable. Like the people who they put in the bottom, we've already discussed, like the other queens, I mean, when they said that Lemon was the one that they would send home. I don't I don't agree with that at no, all. But I don't think they should ask that question when it's a, it's a group challenge. The, honestly, like talk about cringy secondhand embarrassment stuff. Like if, if I hadn't known that we were going to be talking about this, I would have fast forwarded that part. It makes me very uncomfortable when they're put on the spot. That is one of the, my least favorite things that happens regularly on Drag Race. Because I'm messy, I love it. But <laughs> it's a wrong challenge to be asking it and getting good answers because you're not going to vote for any, anybody who's on your team. And if they're friends on a different team as well, they're not going to yeah. vote for them. So when Ilona said Lemon... The easiest thing for most of the others to do is also say lemon. Yeah, I agree. Exactly. It's whoever the first person says is that they're just going to ride that train to get as little blood on their hands as possible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I didn't um, I didn't agree that uh, Rita Bega was was the best performer, in my opinion, at all. I can't say, honestly, I haven't really thought in great depth about who I would point to to say who I thought should have been the winner, but she wasn't a standout, honestly. For me. I mean, pardon me? For me, it was Jimbo's special day. Special day! Yes, I did love that. Um, I did love that about Jimbo. And she had that, like, crazy denim thing. It was amazing. You know, that's that's true. I mean, I guess and again, you're right. It would have been Jimbo. She walked out onto the runway and the judges' jaws dropped again. Yes. Just like it ha- has done a few times and they've not given her the win. What a weird choice of host for Tom Green. That Brilliant. was just so bizarre he was like very weird and awkward but that is tom green's shtick he is always weird and awkward you know that phone call to his mum. yes apparently it took 45 minutes oh god (laughs) (laughs) queen standing there being judged whilst tom green calls his mum to talk about his wind costume i mean it was the same costume it was i mean that was actually pretty hilarious but like was it worth a 45 minute wait I mean, maybe for me, yes, because I didn't have <laughs> yeah. to be the one standing there. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so I don't think that, I think that the judges, um, I like that the judges are up front. I feel like they, um, I like the style of their judging for the most part, but I did not agree with their critiques. Um, so that was unfortunate but i'm not mad at who went home honestly no i was surprised that it was boa over alona but i'm not mad that boa went home i do think that she had a downward trajectory and kiara was a hundred percent the right one to go home yeah. the week prior when, when it's come to the actual lip sync the right queen has gone home both times yeah not that's true necessarily the queen i would like to have seen go home but when yeah. it, judging on what she did 
Boa was right to go. You're right. Yeah. I mean, so when you judge it on the lip sync alone and not the whole report card, and sometimes I feel like they make that decision based on one or the other, depending on sort of like production, Yeah. frankly. But in this case, if they based it on the lip sync, then the lip sync went to the right person. Oh my God, though. <laughs> um, so just randomly, Alona's chaps, her assless chaps. <laughs> I was so, I was, even though I suffer from secondhand embarrassment, I was loving that they called her out for needing full coverage foundation on her butt. That was funny. Yeah, I mean, I've seen like a lot of um, comments that it was body shaming, which... Oh, no, really? Oh, God, yeah. I'm, ba- I'm bad no, then. <laughs> but they, they've had explained like, you know, Brooklyn, who I think is the best person, because she also said it. Yeah. I mean, Jeffrey doesn't do drag. Let's bear that in mind. Yeah. I think it's more fair to come from Brooklyn. She says whenever she has a part of her body exposed. So it matches the, her, her face because obviously it's female illusion. Yes. Um, I mean, we've got to bear in mind that um, Ilona is non-binary. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yes, two-spirit non-binary. Um, mm-hmm. But the essence of drag is, you know, it's, it's an illusion. Yes. And it is broken by not having the, the skin on her backside be the same as all over everywhere else yeah i mean i honestly felt that it was like it was a tough critique to make and that's why i like give props to the judges for going there when it's an awkward thing to bring up and it was probably not an easy thing for alona to hear that would be embarrassing but but to be honest i think that like if she was going to make that a part of her performance on a go forward that is a critique that was necessary because yeah. before they said anything 100% i thought to myself as the person who was watching the runway at home i was like oh my i i do think that she could use some makeup or you know or something because it does kind of take you out of the experience a little yeah. bit um you know, especially when the whole point of the presentation is to give the illusion of this, this like, you know, flawless runway queen. Yeah. It, it definitely takes you out of it. Um, so hopefully it's good feedback that she will learn from. Right. Although I feel bad if <laughs> if my comments um, are, are body shaming, then I feel bad about that. I mean, I would not have the balls to go out... Um, in Aslick's chops anyway. So like props to Alona. Yeah, first. I mean, if I did that, nobody would want to see that. Nobody needs oh to see that. Same. <laughs> Same. Um, but yeah, I mean, I enjoyed these episodes and I do feel like I'm enjoying the season more as it goes on. I'm finding the Canadianisms that really annoyed me in the beginning are becoming less sort of like forced. Yeah. Um, although the guest hosts are they're still hilarious. Like Mary Walsh who was the guest host on the Snatch Game episode. I thought she was a great host, but like that is a deep cut of Canadiana. She's, yeah, I mean, what is she famous? Because I don't, I have no idea who she is. She's from Newfoundland and she is, um, or was previously um, a star of a comedic news show that was shot in Eastern Canada. So when she said, you know, that she would put on like a hilarious outfit and then go and like, you know, try to question the prime minister like it was a comedic news show where she would do this silly stuff but like there are people even in canada who i don't think would know who she is she's it's very east coast which is Uh, where i'm from which is why i know who she is but like that was a deep cut i would love to visit newfoundland just to enjoy their accent oh yeah i don't 
understand a lot. I would think say, as a British person, I would enjoy, understand it better because uh, their accent's like a mix of Cornish, Devon, Ireland <laughs> and Scotland and then Canadian thrown in the mix. And it's just Hilarious. a brilliant accent just to listen to people talking in. Because yep. um, you know the musical Come From Away? Yes. When I first saw that, I saw it out of context on a Royal Variety show. Uh, I've not seen a full show. Uh, so the Royal Variety show is uh, it's a variety show. And they were mm-hmm. on stage to promote their musical and perform for a member of royalty. Um, and all the audience and everyone watching at home. And it doesn't... I, I didn't know what the context was about. I was like, where is their accent? Is it Cornwall? Devon? Ireland? <laughs> I think they're in Ireland. Like, Newfoundland. That's not that's not in Ireland. That, that's Canada. Why are we talking like that? And that's how I discovered the Newfoundland accent. Really? Um, yeah. But um, yeah. it's definitely once uh, the plague has passed, a show I want to go see live. Yes, for sure. I have not seen that live either. I've seen a documentary on the making of it. I'm familiar with the story. And so a lot of like bits and pieces of the musical were featured in the documentary. But I haven't seen it live. And that's a bucket list item for me, too. Yes. But uh, yes, Newfoundland accent, even as a Canadian, I struggle. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, anyway, C- Canada's Drag Race is uh, getting better for me with every episode. Uh, I am enjoying it and I am still rooting for Jimbo. Uh, I really hope Jimbo wins, but I can see Rita winning. Yes, Rita is giving her a run for her money. And I know that, uh, you know, they are less likely to be the top contenders but i'm really enjoying lemon and priyanka just as a duo they're fun to watch for me yeah um but i think that the top contenders right now are rita and jimbo yes right then anything uh anything non-drag race related that you want to chat about chris no because it's just too hot to think about anything I know it's so hot here too. Um, we uh, we have rented a beach house uh, for for a week. It's um, coming up in about a week and a half or so, and I'm just counting down the days because even though it's still going to be hot, being hot on the beach is way better than being hot in my living room. So yeah. I'm quite jealous because I mean all the beaches around here. I mean they're not as nice as other beaches. I mean the nearest sort of beach that people go to. Uh, where I live now is Brighton and all it is constantly on the news every time there's a heat wave like we're currently going through thousands of people descending on the town oh no not observing social distancing so I don't want to go there Um, and where I grew up in the northwest of England is a beach resort Blackpool and that's I mean if if I was there I'd probably go there just for the fresh air but it's not a beach you want to lounge about it's not a glamorous beach it's A beach in the north of England. The sea is brown. It's not blue. Oh. Um, it's, it's nothing. It's not dirty. It's just a sediment from the sand. But Yeah. And because it's quite um, high energy waves, it's just mixing the sand around. It, yeah. It doesn't look appealing. It's not like, um, oh, what a lovely beach to relax on. Yes. Yeah, it's, Nova, um, Scotia, Nova Scotia has some beautiful beaches, like sandy beaches that are gorgeous, that you would like go and spend and lounge, um, spend, spend the day at and lounge. Um, and the ocean is beautiful, but it's not like the turquoise waters that you're going to see in the Caribbean or anything. But the thing about the, the water around Nova Scotia is it is cold as hell. It does not matter how hot <laughs> it is out. That ocean is always really cold. 
Um, so it takes some bravery to like get get fully dipped in. But I mean, with the heat the way it is, we're gonna we're gonna do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, we've been looking to try and go camping somewhere, but um, we don't have any tents. Our, our tents are up north, where we're from, at Sarah's yeah. house, at Dad's house. So we've been like trying to look at like glamping options where there's tents already there, but it's um getting it to match my work and their availability. Yes, yeah, fair enough. But we we well, need some I mean, sort of holiday. Yeah, it's uh it's fun to try to like come up with uh local things that we can do as a little getaway because obviously traveling outside of country or even outside of like, you know, the province for me is is uh not going to be happening too much anytime soon so so yeah well i hope you find a good glamping experience that you can that you can go on in the meantime we've just been watching videos of our favorite place in europe berlin going oh we love that place want to go back someday you'll get to go back (laughs) um and of course watching drag race and eurovision which we will be uh we will be doing over the next week and then be back in one week's time for another dnq files yes so once again, if you're still listening, next time we will be the, doing the nineteen uh, ninety sorry the nineteen eighty eight Eurovision Song Contest. Cannot wait. Thanks okay, soon. well, thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. La 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 la